You know, I, I think um, part of being a writer and being an artist and a creative person is learning the rhythms of your own creativity and what voice to apply and in what context. And mm -hmm. so certainly when I'm writing a memoir, um, it's, it's a deeper dive into raw and sensitive topics. Um, and so when I'm writing my blog, for instance, I may be a little raw, but it may not be quite the deep, dark dive. Hello, it's Jazz here, checking back in with another diary entry. Welcome to Diary of an Indie Writer, whether this is your first time tuning in or you are a returning listener. I started writing and sharing it online back in 2015 after I left my corporate job, and I'm now an independent writer who wants to help you start a blog, consistently write things on your blog, and, if you wish, make an income from your blog. In other words, I want to help you become an independent writer and perhaps most of all, I want to help you write freely. So this podcast is my audio diary to share my solo reflections as I continue to walk this path as an independent writer, as well as the conversations I'm having with fellow writers and creators along the way. Today, I'm sharing my conversation with, liber with librarian turned writer Anna Marie O'Brien. Let me share with you a few words about Anna Marie. Anna Marie O'Brien grew up in Ohio as a fan of rock music and good books. After working for a record label in the early 1990s, she spent almost 20 years as a public libra librarian. I'm struggling with that word today. She now coaches writers through their creative journey and is currently working on her third book. She lives in Phoenix, Arizona. Sign up for her newsletter at annamarieobrien.com. That's O'Brien, B-R-I-E-N for November. We talk about, during this conversation, Anna Marie's career transition from librarian to writer, the power of writing memoir, how Anna Marie found a writing coach to work with, and how she has become a writing coach herself, and lots more. Alrighty, so before we get started, just to let you know that you can find the notes for today's episode and for every podcast episode by visiting diaryofanindiewriter.net. And over on my blog, aka my written diary, which is at indiewriter.net, I've just published a free 42-page guide called How to Start a Blog and Enjoy It, which is full of everything I've learned in more than six years of blogging and the simple approach to take when you're starting out, one that makes your blogging feel good and feel fun. I hope you'll check that out. I'll leave those links I've just mentioned in the description of this episode. And with that being said, I really hope you enjoy listening to today's diary entry. Here it is. This is my conversation with writer and writing coach, Anna Marie O'Brien. So I've just hit the button. There we go. Um, there's a countdown as expected. And um, yeah, wonderful to be speaking with you again, um, Anna Marie. 
Um, I've spoken with you before and I know a little bit about you, but folks listening or watching might not. So perhaps if you wouldn't mind sharing like a few words about yourself and what you're up to at the moment to kick things off, that would be, that'd be lovely. Well, yeah. Hey, Jazz. It's great to be here with you. Um, I'm Anna Marie O'Brien and I'm a writer. Um, I'm based in Phoenix, Arizona, and um, I'm a writer, a writing coach, um, and I'm just starting to get into some teaching, which has been really rewarding. Uh, so this past summer, I quit my day job to do my side hustle full time, and um, I released my second book in July. And uh, so this past weekend, I um, spent some time uh, teaching at a writing retreat online about the uh, magic of writing intuitive memoir, which is what I coach writers on how to do uh, in, in addition to other creative coaching kind of kinds of things. And so that's that's kind of what I'm up to. I'm working on my third book. Uh, I have my Substack at annamarieobrien.substack.com for updates on that book. And uh, so I'm just enjoying life, raising my children and enjoying beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. Thank you for such a wonderful introduction. I, sometimes I'm, I'm asked that and I go off on all sorts of weird and wonderful tangents, but that was very succinct and very, uh, yeah, um, really, really wonderful. So thank you for that, sure, Anne-Marie. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there are uh, immediately different places that I'd like to kind of gently dig into, if I may. Um, first off, I believe uh, congratulations are in order. Um, I do receive your Substack, and I understand you've had a birthday pretty recently. So, happy birthday! <laughs> Thank you. I uh, I am not afraid to say it. I just turned fifty, and it feels really good. Um, so, uh, I'm in a, a good place, like as a person, as a creative person. Um, I was uh, a librarian for uh, about 20 years working with the public. And like I said, I just walked away from that in June and um, focusing my efforts on this. But um, yeah, so the 50 is, is a lot of fun. I feel on my Substack I wrote, it feels like the new seven because I feel opened again to being able to create and to just um, appreciate everything that I have and I've built for myself, so I get to enjoy this phase of my life. So mm. I think, uh, you know, anybody who's coming up behind me, it's just, you know, it's just a number and really a lot of doors open, not only externally, but internally as well as you mature and age. And when you hit 50, it's like, wow, I feel, I feel like a kid again. So it's good. Really cool. And like we get, I know we can kind of get a little bit, um, we, we can put more onto age and numbers and this sort of thing than it needs to, but there is something it feels like for me anyway, like 20, th I'm 32 now, and I've seen in others as well, decades, there seems to be stuff that can come with decades. Mm -hmm. My mum, by her own uh, admission, found it really tough turning 40. Um, but 50 was a bit of a lease of life for her. Um, and you, you kind of shared that after 20 years working in um, public libraries, you've, you've now uh, stepped into doing your side hustle full time, which is wonderful. And congratulations, first of all. Um, 
was there anything about the and i know we've, we've gone through an interesting time haven't we kind of pandemic wise but was there anything about um the stepping into 50 um that kind of played a part in this uh in this transition and and, and the timing and i guess the, the the choice that you've made to step into uh your side your, your writing and your your work around your writing full time yeah, so when I started as a librarian, um, I was kind of a late bloomer anyways. I didn't start my formal college education until I was 25. Mm. Uh, and I went through a master's program and started my career uh, basically in my early 30s, had my children in my mid 30s and late 30s. And, you know, in 40, I was um, just in the middle of having two children in diapers and working a big management job. So I I don't feel like my 30s and 40s went so quickly and they were so stressful. <laughs> um, and <clears throat> going through the experience of an illness in my mid 40s. Um, and, you know, when I started my career, I, I thought I was going to be doing it for 30 years. I thought I was going to make it to my mid 60s, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a great deal of burnout. Uh, when you work with a public as intensely as librarians do, and it's kind of one of those unspoken secrets in the profession, uh, how many people are so burned out. And um, so I really started to feel it the last few years, and I realized, you know, I had to kind of save myself. And since I had started, you know, wrote my book, and I started coaching, and I started making a little bit of money at it, I mean, not a lot, but, you know, just enough to make it a kind of proof of concept you know, um, that I started really aligning towards the goal of leaving my day job um, as soon as I possibly could. And so that meant I had to go back to work um, in a job for three full years that I really hated, <laughs> but I had to meet a marker for benefits. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it really was just kind of a convergence of um, uh, you know, years of stress um, and realizing that my own calling had changed um, going through these experiences and that um, in order to kind of um, you know level up I really had to leave the profession and just do my thing um, and so we did it we made it work not it's not just me it's my family as well that uh, we kind of aligned behind the goal of this happening yeah and um, I think it's interesting because I think there is there is a perception of um uh being a like a librarian and oh it's like you kind of just potter around with books and you know very friendly and kind of uh just nice and you know lovely and wonderful and so to hear you talk about um i guess the burnout side perhaps that's not something that people um are so aware of um when it comes to i guess that work and i guess you know as as, as you put it you're kind of working in public with people. Um, and so, you know, whereas, you know, kind of, I think of the teaching profession and, you know, people think, oh yes, teachers and burnout is, is more of a, I don't know, something more in my awareness, it feels like, whereas not so much with librarians, but no, it feels, uh, yeah, kind of important to to put that out there. Um, well, that, that's, yeah, that it's, actually, it's actually, you know, my third book is going uh, over this, um, stressful, unremarkable, yet very fun library career. Um, you know, it certainly mm -hmm. had its moments of joy and um, 
you know, very sad, you know, it's very satisfying to walk in a building full of books. Uh, for sure, you know, but um, as a public librarian, you know, teachers, they can walk into a classroom, they have a lesson plan or they have some idea of what they'll be teaching. Librarians walk into work every day and it's complete improv. You do not know who's walking through your door. You don't know who is showing up to your programs. You have no idea really what the day holds. Then the times you're supposed to be on desk helping the public mm -hmm. at certain times or in pro, you know, in rooms giving programs uh, mm -hmm. to the public. So there is a big burnout factor. Um, it's a very bizarre profession in many ways. It has a definite retail aspect to it where you're just, you're on stage performing, uh, you know, telling people where things are, giving advice, helping with computers, um, dealing with security issues. Uh, we have, uh, and, and, a pandemic of homelessness that's happening all around public libraries in the United States. And it's it's a, a tragedy in many ways, um, <laughs> not only for the people experiencing homelessness, but it's creating environments that make public libraries more challenging. So um, yeah, so I have a book about that. That's my third book. <laughs> that's gonna be, uh, it's called Library Confidential. And um, I'm kind of just getting all to the juicy bits of uh, you know, the backstory of what librarianship really is. It has this kittens and unicorns um, facade, but underneath it's really nitty gritty. And sometimes I joke, um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's full body contact sport. You're elbow to elbow with, a, with your community and um, you have to give a lot of care and you have to be very tough to deal with it sometimes sounds like it will open a few people's eyes about <laughs> the realities of, be, of being what being a librarian entails and i'm sure there'll be other librarians out there who will be able to uh, really resonate with you know with what you share in that book um be before i ask you about your writing and and um you know about your first book were you were you have, have you were you writing before that in other capacities of any other kind or did you go through a period you know where you weren't doing so much writing you know what did that look like for you yeah so i think you know like most writers i've i've loved books i was an early reader i was reading at the age of four and um i i just loved stories and so i found refuge in books and i've always thought about writing books but nobody ever kind of showed me how and i didn't know how to ask and you know, so I did a little bit of creative writing in junior high that was published in our little you know, annual um, literary magazine. And then I didn't really think about it. I gutted my way through high school. I almost failed out of high school. That's why it took me so long to go to college. I've always had a brain that kind of works a little different. And um, so finally, when I managed to get myself into a proper university at the age of 25, I kind of showed up really cold and I, um, I actually learned how to write from a history teacher. She was a medieval history teacher and I was doing a medieval history degree and she um, she whipped me into shape. And all of a sudden my academic writing really took off and I found a lot of satisfaction in that because finally I had a way to organize my thoughts. And I've always kept journals, um, of course, but then, um, and then I became a librarian because that's what uh, blocked writers do, repressed writers uh, <laughs> become librarians, I think. <laughs> But um, just, to, just to be around the books all the time, you know. Um, 
and then I started, you know, I had the story. I had lived this adventure. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, I'd shared it with a few people over the years that they were like, you have got to write a book about this. And I'm like, you know, I've always thought about it, but I just don't know how to even verbalize the experience that I had. But um, so eventually I turned 40 and um, I started writing the book and um, I just had a singular purpose there. I didn't want to blog. I didn't want to do anything else but write the book. And so, you know, it took me about five full years um, to get that book out of me. Yeah. Uh, um, and that's, yeah, that's Adventures of the Metalhead Librarian. So. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. You might, I don't know if it's happening your end, but now and then for me, it's the video is going, but it's still recording. Yeah, um, I saw you kind of blink in and out, but uh, yeah, I, again, that's a new that's a new thing. I shared with you before we started. I've not I, this is my first recording I'm doing for a while, and yeah, Riverside never used to do that. Um, huh. But yeah, presu presumably it's a, it's an improvement they've made. But uh, yeah, yeah. So for, for a few moments, I was just kind of staring yeah. at uh, st st staring blank but i could hear you just fine okay so, yeah, so and i just i saw that i just kept talking so i'm like i'm, yeah, I'm yeah. this I was like she, i was like she's handled that very smoothly um, <laughs> so yeah but i thought i would name it and mention it you know as well um yeah it's interesting hearing you talk about learning writing kind of from your history teacher um and especially because i know that sometimes the way that writing is taught often um it follows kind of processes and procedures and like outlines and kind of the whole rational realm mm -hmm. um though i know with your writing and also what you help bring to your coaching is the intuitive side um so was it a case of um consciously blending those two or um what did that again? What did that look like for you? Because, like I said, learning to write, uh, I know a lot of the time it can be quite methodical and process orientated. So, so did you bring any kind of of your more kind of nuanced, um, I guess, uh, intuitive side to your writing? You know, at that time. Yeah. When so when I first took that class with Dr. McKee so many years ago, um, I. You know, I had really just the only writing I had done was my journal writing, you know, uh, very informal writing and, you know, the old standard five paragraph opening point one, point two, point three, closing. Mm -hmm. um, so I was kind of very loosely aware of proper writing structure, but not until I got to uh, university that I um, was able it was and it was good for me even though I'm a very intuitive and woo-woo person um, I'm mm -hmm. also very ADD and I have real problems following formulas uh, and even recipes it's hard for me sometimes so um, having this professor structure it in a very um, linear way helped me understand the points that I was trying to hit um, and then so when I uh, you know, so that it carried with me through my, you know, master's degree and then professional writing that I did, kind of that, you know, you have to organize your thoughts a certain way. So when I approached my memoir, I, I, I think I was blocked for a while because I didn't know how to organize my thoughts. And I kept thinking I had to have an outline first and then fill in all the plot points which is kind of what you do with academia writing, you know, academic writing is, 
you know, you have the points you want to make and you then fill in your thesis around that. Um, and I couldn't do that with a memoir. So instead, I, um, I got some help. I started talking to our mutual friend, Lauren Sapala, um, who kind of opened my eyes to the intuitive part of it, just the trusting yourself part of it. Mm-hmm. And once I started approaching my memoir that way, I started writing the parts to it without any real sense of where they belonged. And I actually just taught this in my memoir class. It's like an architect, uh, you know, an architect will design the whole building and then you order the materials and then you construct the building. And with intuitive writing, um, it's like being let loose in a wild forest with an ax and you're gathering your materials first and you're laying them out in the field. And when you have all your parts gathered, then you put them together into a house into your draft. Okay. So the, the chopping and the carrying is your first draft. It's a mess. It's going to be wonky. It's going to be flabby. It's not going to be held together well, but when you get that draft out there and then you start chopping it up a little bit, you can then put it together into a draft that is intuitive. That makes sense. That feels good to you using the materials that make sense for what you're trying to accomplish. It also allows room, for some creativity, which is what you're trying to do when you're writing a memoir. You're going deep, and if you push it too soon and you're trying to stuff all this uh, information into predetermined outlines, you're going to be missing some of the depth that comes out as you go through the process of writing memoir. And so uh, that's what I encourage writers to do is to don't worry about the first draft. Just get it all out there. It's like writing with crayons. Sometimes it feels awful, but then once you have that draft, you have all the materials laid there so that you can build a beautiful book and edit it down into a a readable product that uh, feels good for you to have written and shared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, Out of interest, why is it you feel, because you, you mentioned you know, having it in an order. And you said you weren't able to do that with your memoir, which is when you, you know, um, you went out and, you know, sought help and you connected with Lauren. Why do you feel you and many of us aren't able to do that when it comes to memoir? Uh, I think a lot of us who are creatives or introverts and paths are really also, we're perfectionists as well. We are very sensitive people. And I think we are, we approach memoir um, without a lot of empathy for the actual process of writing the memoir. We think we're, you know, if we are in any kind of field where we have to uh, produce uh, results or things on timelines, we try to approach memoir in that same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just really not, um, it, it shouldn't be attempted, really. <laughs> and it's like, it can really bind you up. Um, if you think of it in a linear fashion. Um, And so I think that's why many of us, you know, have problems with starting memoirs. They're approaching it in a very logical, linear way. Uh, We Mm. have these perfectionist tendencies. We want it to be just right. We think it has to be right the first time. We think the first draft has to be perfect. Um, And it's, you know, it's different. You're having a very deep conversation with yourself when you're writing a memoir. 
and you're downloading information from a, a timeline that is past and uh, it's hard to trust that what you're going through is part of the process of writing the memoir. Um, it's not just a, you know, a boom, 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 I'm going to tell about this, this, this. There's a whole process. And if you don't trust that process, um, it can bind you up. And new memoirists often face that. They, they just uh, think that it should be downloaded in a linear, perfect fashion. And it, it's, I would suggest it should actually be quite the opposite. Yeah, a lot of this is resonating. I've not written memoirs yet, but just for my own writing, a lot of what you're sharing is really resonating. Um, and I wonder if, oh, actually, first of all, before I ask that, what you shared there about memoir, I feel that writing always comes from a place within, but with memoir and sharing pieces of your story, there's a real sense of... Um, something that's raw and emotional and vulnerable that comes with that which um yeah i like the way you described it it's, it's how pe you know people don't um necessarily uh nurture themselves in a way that they um you know when you're used to working in with other writing and you know deadlines and what have you um the emotional experience of memoir is really raw but have you taken these um I guess how you've connected and what you've learned about uh, intuitive writing and memoir. Have you taken that and do you apply that to other forms of writing that you write or do you still, uh, I don't know, do you have different, I don't know, more kind of coherent logical methods of writing for other forms of writing? You know, I, I think um, part of being a writer and being an artist and a creative person is learning the rhythms of your own creativity and what voice to apply in, in what context. And mm -hmm. so certainly when I'm writing a memoir, um, it's, it's a deeper dive into raw and sensitive topics. Um, and so when I'm writing my blog, for instance, I may be a little raw, but it may not be quite the deep, dark dive. I'm assuming we are still recording. It looks like you've gone blank. Hi, Anna-Marie. Hey. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened there. Everything froze and everything went. Um, I should still be able to edit and okay. get this together. So apologies. No problem. I forget the question. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. Uh, I was just thinking about that as I was refreshing. Yeah, so I, I was asking you about... Um, those technical difficulties uh writing um for memoir versus other things that you might write and whether the process what that looks like for you and you were talking about the importance of finding uh your own um, creative processes and ways of expressing yourself and connecting with that voice yeah so like i said it's the um as a creative person as a writer you find the rhythm of your own creativity as you go through the processes that are required uh, mm -hmm. as you're going through you know whether you're writing a book or uh, doing a podcast or uh, doing a blog you're gonna have a slightly different um, probably a different take or a different voice for each of those um, i try to be as authentic as possible no matter what but when you're writing a book you're actually you know um, everything you write in the book is for the book so the you know it's it's for that audience 
that you have captured at that moment. Uh, whereas a blog post might be for a different audience who may not be familiar with that book. So your voice is going to be the same, but maybe the, the, the information or the depth of information that you share, um, you might save the juicy bits for the book and entice mm -hmm. people <laughs> with other stories, uh, you know, for your blog or whatever. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, and it's, it's tough sometimes to, to get vulnerable and raw. Um, but as you get older, again, it's, it, it gets a little easier. Um, I think it comes, you know, after a while you begin to claim your own truth. And as an artist or a writer, um, your truth becomes more important to express than your fear of judgment from others. And you step into that. Amen to that. And I feel that, well, for me, it's been an evolving, ongoing process or unfurling, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, was there a point at which that, I, that there was, a, I don't know, was there a turning point for you or, or a point at which you really stepped into that and felt, this is my time, this is now, I'm, I'm doing this? Yeah, I think um, in the last three years of my day job career, um, as I was finishing up my my memoir, and I was going through the process of production with it, you know, getting the book cover and all the formatting, and um, going through that process was a real it was a uh, a real blossoming in my mind as to the possibilities of, that might be before me and the opportunities that might open because I went through this. Uh, through the whole process of writing and producing and publishing my own book. Um, so about three years ago, I started having those glimmers. It was just two years ago that on my 48th birthday that I released my first book. Hmm. And then about, two, you know, two years ago, and I had been coaching and such, and it just, you know, again, it was kind of a convergence of all the right things at the right time with the right circumstances. The pandemic actually helped um, it made everything very crystal clear what my priorities needed to be moving forward. And um, so, yeah, there was that turning point the last couple of years. And, and during that day job, knowing that I was meant to be doing something else, it was, it was probably the, you know, some of the toughest emotional times just to get through. Um, because I'm like, oh, I know I'm supposed to be doing this thing, but I, ha I have an obligation to finish this thing. You know, um, and that's the thing, you know, as you get older, you have more obligations, and you, but you have to, you know, make sure your priorities are straight and make sure your obligations are met. But also while being true to the future you see for yourself and the future you want to build for yourself. So um, it was a balancing act there for a while. I didn't know if I was going to make it, but uh, it feels good to be on the other side of that. Um, but yeah, it was only in the last couple of years that I really saw, okay, this is viable, it's doable, and it's totally open to me. I have to, to make the choice to do it, though. It's not, you know, nobody's coming to save me. Nobody's coming to show me how to do it. I have to figure it out and make it happen. Mm. And um, as a librarian, with all those books around you, at what point did you realize that Anna Marie O'Brien was worthy of having her name and having her books exist on those shelves amongst you know some of these other authors who we i don't know about yourself but i used to put them 
on somewhat of a pedestal um, and, and feel very disconnected and I was down here and anyone else who was an author was up there. At what point did you perhaps realise that, no, actually, I'm, that, that, that's also Anna Marie cannot occupy that territory, so to speak? Yeah, I probably, so yeah, the being at the library inspired me every day because I realized, you know, that every single book on that shelf was somebody's dream, somebody's idea, somebody's, you know, deep story that at some point was nothing. And they, they realized that they created it and it is now on our shelves. It is a real thing. It has its own energy. And, you know, I had all these you know, hundreds of thousands of books on the shelf. And I'm like, oh, I'm surrounded by possibilities every day. And I think the turning point for me was um, in my own mind was probably, I don't know, 12, 14 years ago, there was, and I'm not going to name names, but it was a book by a sister of a very popular author. And so the very popular author had dozens of best-selling books. And her sister also wrote a book similar in genre but under her own name. And I opened that book and I started reading it and it was, it was not well-written. It was not a good book. Like I could not believe it had been published. And it was at that point I realized even bad writers can get published. <laughs> like it didn't, it, I'm not saying somebody else wouldn't have enjoyed that book. Every book finds its readers, you know, and I don't want to disparage somebody's writing because there is an audience for all kinds of writing. Mm -hmm. Um, but that book almost offended me because I, I was just like, I can't believe this person got a publishing deal, obviously probably based off the popularity of their sister, you know, access or whatever, but it just, it really illustrated like, look, if this person could put this out there and not be ashamed of it, I can surely do better. Like, mm. and it just made it really clear. So after that, um, you know, I, I saw those books come across our shelves often where you just be like, how did this person get a publishing deal? Like, <laughs> um, but they did and the books checked out. So it's, it, you know, every time it, it reinforced to me that yes, even writers who, you know, I don't like or who I find eh, um, mediocre at best can get publishing deals and have careers and find audiences and connect with people. So um, why not try, you know, why not throw my name in the hat? Um, and see what I could come up with. Um, so yeah, it was, it was that one book though. I remember it specifically. <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh, this book is not good. And yeah. yeah and maybe, you know, no, no disrespect to that book. Maybe that's what you needed. Cause you know, sometimes you know, when you're surrounded by the, the Stephen Kings and the Tolkien, you're like, oh my word, this is, you know, good stuff. Or, you know, I don't know other authors who are well known and, and that whose writing is meaningful to you. So perhaps, you know, that's something, you know, you needed those, something more uh, close to home, more relatable um, right. to show you that. So thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. um, your, you, what, what is your, what, what does your, um, I guess your, your writing and your side project stuff currently look like? Because I know there's, you've got your, you do your own writing. And my understanding is you also do some uh, uh, writing coaching. Yeah, um, yeah. So, or, you, or, you're, or you're stepping into that. Uh, it, it feels to me that you shared um, right at the beginning that you'd. Um, I think it was your first 
online uh, teaching around writing that you'd done. Um, so I know this is this is space that you're 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 now stepping into. Um, but yeah, maybe that's maybe that's a a nice question to ask. Um, and you shared a little bit off air, but I want to I want to I thought it might be useful to talk about here as well on air. Um, what, what what was that like for you? That's that's the first one you've taught. You're kind of stepping into this new territory. Yeah. Um, I don't know how long ago it was. How long ago was it that you actually left your job behind? Uh, just just this past June, June third. Okay, so that's <laughs> a couple of months ago. Goodness. Yeah. So as I um, as I started to finish up my book, um, the first one, Adventures of a Metalhead Librarian, um, I um, I was working with Lauren, and she had come across a couple of people that she thought I might connect with on a creative level who needed some help that she couldn't provide at that time. So she just introduced us basically and I started coaching. Um, and it was, you know, it's very, um, it's very loosey goosey. I pretty much, you know, I, I like to say that I'm a memoir coach, but um, really I, I help people whoever, show, who, whoever shows up on my doorstep or, you know, in my inbox. Um, and so, um, and I kind of view it as a, an extension of being a librarian. You know, people walk in out of the cold into a library looking for help, and that's what's showing up in my inbox. There are a lot of writers who need some beta reading or some editing advice or um, just they're stuck on something and can't move out of an energetics um, that they're having problems with. So, um, you know, this happened in the library all the time. Now it's happening, you know, as part of my my job here at home, my new my new career, and um, so as a part of that um, is you know the, the teaching aspect of it, which is not something that comes naturally to me. I went into librarianship because I didn't necessarily want to be a teacher, you know. But at the same time, um, I also feel that I'm at a spot in my life where I have all of these resources gathered. I've been through the process a few times. Um, you know, I used to do story times for toddlers at the library. I would, you know, at one point, one of my story times, I had 187 people that I was singing, you know, barnyard songs and stuff to, you know, toddlers. So I figured, you know, teaching online certainly cannot be as stressful as performing a story time <laughs> for 180 toddlers and their people. Um, and once I had my head wrapped around that, I, um, I, I, it was a lot of fun doing the, the workshop this weekend and I the ideas that I have from it I think I can turn into other workshops and classes that I think people would resonate with so that's kind of my next task is taking the teaching and coaching into a format that not only can I I'll still do it one-on-one -on -one with people but that I can also make available at maybe a lower price point uh, for programs uh, that people might want to do on their own time um, such as a video series or something like that so um, but yeah, the coaching is a lot of fun. Um, I, I work with all kinds of people from all over the world. And, um, you know, honestly, it's just one one creative person helping another. Um, I'm not necessarily, um, you know, I don't have any necessarily philosophy about it. I'm not certified in any way um, other than the process of living my own life and, and um, being of service uh, in my career anyway. So that's the approach I take to it. Mm. Thank you for sharing all of that. And um, first off, I think Lauren was the first person I met who was a coach who didn't have accreditation, mm -hmm. but who really resonated with me. 
I was like, that's the kind of coach I want to be. And I think for a long time before that, I'd been looking for permission uh, too much for permission to have this thing behind me, um, this coaching qualification, and then I'd be able to be a coach. So actually, she's been validating lots of different ways. But I think she was the first person I came across who I thought, yeah, was like a represented the sort of coaching I wanted to do. Um, and that's the other thing to put my finger on that as well. Um, and I've been reading. Um, 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 I want to make sure I get the title right. The Magic Key, yeah. your mag um, which you wrote, uh, and you talk in there about um, the full title is The Magic Key: Unlock Your Memoir. Um, I love it. Uh, it's it has given me things which I've come to know over time in recent couple of years, but also things which I may have kind of known, but actually not known. And I think the way that you've articulated certain stuff has been really helpful to me as well. Awesome. And one of those things was around coaching and you're like, kind of like a mentor slash coach slash just a supportive friend. And that's what it feels like. And mm -hmm. again, it's been really validating um, to me uh, writers, writing coaches like yourself and Lauren, because um, I always thought this is the thing. I was like, oh, I need to, you know, have been. I used to think on some level coaching was, even though I know actually it isn't, on some level, a, big, a, a deeper part of me was like, oh, you need to have the right qualification. You need to have years of experience. You need to have knowledge you can impart. Um, and no, for me, coaching is about um, the relationship between the two of you. It's about holding the space. Uh, yeah. It's about um, a way of being um, and a learning that helps you um, facilitate the creative process and the movement where you articulate as someone stuck in an energetic level from one to the other so that they can um, kind of... Um, move through any blocks um often emotional things there whether they know it or not right. um so yeah, yeah I, I just wanted to and i was kind of beaming while she were talking because um I, i'm i've it's been really cool for me to witness uh you stepping into the journey um that you're and the path that you're stepping onto um and i'm so um delighted and excited to see where it leads for you, uh, Anna-Marie. Um, I remember through through Lauren and I guess the INFP, INFJ circles, writers that we're in, mm -hmm. um, I'd started to, I don't know if it was that, or just, I, I'd started to connect some dots and I'd started to realise um, a lot of folks had written memoirs and it had been really a... Um, and not so easy, but a really powerful, rewarding growth or healing experience for them. Um, and then I saw you came out with um, the magic key and it was like, I thought I was onto something, but you, you'd kind of, um, I think through your own experience and other things, you, you'd really shared some things that were really validating and made a lot of sense to me. And um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like, at some stage, I'll end up writing a memoir for myself. Um, but um, yeah, no, I, I just wanted to say it's really cool to see to see your your to see you unfurling. And um, 
I think there's so much value you have to share with, with writers um, of, of when it comes to memoir and um, I think more broadly speaking than that. I write poetry and I'm feeling like a lot of what you share about memoir and the experience and um, writing memoir. My feeling is for me, poetry is a really deeply emotional expression of myself. And I think a lot of those things are similar. So um, yeah, and I, and you know, I might be writing a poetry book next. So um, yeah, no, I find all this really fascinating. That's awesome. Well, you know, there's, I think there's just a lot of baggage around the word coaching. And we have, mm. especially in the Western world, we have this, um, over here in the States, the, the Bill Belichick, <laughs> this very grumpy old coach uh, kind of um, demeanor uh, around the word. And I'm not an athletic person, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so the word coaching, even when I first started looking for help, really put me off because I'm like, I don't need a coach. I don't know what I need, but I don't need a coach. You know, I, I'm envisioning somebody with a whistle or, you know, some kind of a whip, you know, like cracking the whip on me, you know, having me jump through hoops that I didn't necessarily want to jump through. Um, so when I found Lauren and was um, introduced to that style of coaching, it, it unlocked doors for me too. And it mm. is like having a writing friend or just a moral supporter, uh, an emotional support friend as you go through the process mm -hmm. of writing a memoir or other another creative work. Um, it is a, a, about holding space. And I tell my clients, like, I don't, I mean, I want to be your friend forever, but I don't necessarily want you as a client in five or 10 years. You know, I want you to have gone past what our relationship is about at this point. And I want you to evolve to where you're serving mm -hmm. people with your creativity. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I view it. It's just, we're on a path when people, we bump into each other on the path and you need a hand up, I'm there, right? Um, I, um, I consider it my business, but I also, you know, like any professional, there's a lot of it you just do, at, it, it's ingrained in you. It's, you know, people reach out with a question, you answer the mm -hmm. question you know, or, you know, whatever, however you connect. Um, I gave out so much writing advice at the library and it's like, this is just who I am. This is what I do. Um, you can't really put a number on it, but at the same time, there are people who do need help, who your talents can help and you can build a business around it. So, um, but you have to um, kind of step out of that um, looking for permission. <laughs> yeah that, that, that's a huge that's a huge thing i think the difference between like um working for someone and doing your own thing is it's you that gives yourself the permission mm -hmm. it's you that's the um you know that you have appraisals with it's you that you report to like all of this stuff it all comes from you Mm -hmm. um so yeah like i kind of feel, i feel like a lot of what you were doing in the light in the in your 20 years has equipped you and has given you skills and things that you'll now take forward with you mm -hmm. um but yeah you're, you're it sounds like you've kind of probably kind of acknowledging that actually there's also things that um it's a case of yeah kind of um stepping into giving yourself your own permission and also figuring out a way for you to add that value in a way that's kind of um, feels good and is nourishing to you. Um, 
and kind of fits with you know how you wanna how you wanna be how you wanna operate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's you know it's a uh, when you uh, embrace the abundance mindset and when you and mm. uh, one of the workshops this past weekend with Ayelet Barron, it was um, so refreshing to hear somebody else talking about the abundance of opportunity and. Um, and I think when we move into an abundance mindset and we realize the more that we give away, the more that we will receive, uh, you know, it's a really basic concept. And um, that's, you know, that's kind of where I, how I approach the, the coaching is just that this is just who I am. This is what I've been doing for years. Um, you know, whether it's coaching little kids with literacy or adults on how to find certain um, reference resources or look up books or uh, interact with their local or uh, state federal governments. Um, you know, I coached people and, um, you know, being a parent is about coaching your children through um, you know, their milestones in their life and loving them. And that's how I approach this whole thing is um, bearing witness and holding space as people move through their creative journeys. And um, I always, I always try to want to, you know, work it for the for the better good of humanity. And in, in my world, that equals more books and more truths being shared. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, or more truths being shared. Yeah, more truths being shared through writing through the mm -hmm. books. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, creativity yeah. isn't just, I mean, it doesn't, if you're a writer, you're a writer, but if you're an artist, that's how you're speaking your truth. That's how you're interacting with humanity. You know, if mm -hmm. you're, um, you know, if you're, it's funny because I look at everything now as art. I look at every, every person out there is, is the artist of their own life, you know, and whether, you know, I, I'm not even a sports fan, but sometimes I would watch like a Tiger Woods do, you know, play a couple of holes of golf. And I'm just like, my God, the man is an artist. You watch a comedian on stage, you watch like a Jerry Seinfeld, the man is an artist, you know, you watch um, old Julia Child videos, cooking videos, she was an artist. And this is how you express your art is by living your life in an artful way, looking for those opportunities to share uh, what gifts you might have and expressing them. And um, it's not up for you to decide if people like them or not, right? You just put it out there and your art, how, whatever it is, will resonate. Yeah, I, I feel like as you were sharing those examples, I feel like those are all people expressing their truth in yeah. different ways. I've been watching a lot of Muhammad Ali mm -hmm. videos lately, both of his boxing and his interviews. And I am beaming, I have got goosebumps, I have got tears in my eyes almost as I'm talking about this even. He's just sharing him and his truth unashamedly. And it's beautiful to witness and observe. It, it is a beautiful... Him, I'm sure, but for the person on the receiving end. Yeah, absolutely. Those those moments when you hear Muhammad Ali, uh, you know, yesterday, I don't normally click on like Facebook links, but a friend shared a song and I, uh, okay, I'll hear it. I'll, I'll hear this song that she has posted three times. So I went ahead and listened and I sat there just tears streaming down my face. It was a Mumford and Sons song, of course. And, you know, it's just like, okay, I needed that. You know, it was, you hear people expressing the beauty of their truth and that's where our human souls connect. So whatever art it is that's inside of you, whatever beauty exists, 
that needs to come out and however you express it, whether it's the, the care and love that you show your elderly parents or the, the care and love you show um, by keeping your home clean or cooking good nutritious meals for yourself or your family or painting or singing or dancing. All of it is an expression of human creativity. And um, I think the more we engage with that, the more we look for the chances at beauty uh, we find our truth. Through self-expression, yeah. And I, I found um, through expressing my truth, through writing, I have changed and become more of who I am in real life, so to speak. You know, of course, my writing is real life. But you know what I mean? Me as yeah. a person, I've changed in the process. Yeah. Have you Have you experienced anything like that? Yeah, just you know, coming into your own, um, your own purpose, I guess, is you know sometimes it feels like a glimmer out on the horizon, um, and it's not a linear process. It's you know you're sailing in uncharted waters a lot of times, mm -hmm. and um, but yeah, it is a it's a process, and that's what I think people um, they oh I'd I'd be happy if only I could do this full time, or I'd be happy if I could write full time or I'd be happy if I could and there's always an if I'd be happy if only and that's the thing with artists is that we have to do our art we have to write um, we have to look for those opportunities to make ourselves happy and to express ourselves mm -hmm. um, and that's where the change becomes that's where that you blossom that's where you bloom it's not a linear process. You're not looking for some destination, this, this final destination of writing or artistic bliss. The point is the whole journey. That's where you mm. pick up all the material. It's messy and it's, you know, you know, if only I could have a, a cottage in the woods to write. No, like this is it. You're here. Your life is your art. You need to express it. Right. Maybe having that cottage in the woods just wouldn't be you. Um, right yeah it's like it's... you've got where, wherever you are like i've re realized for myself like if i'm not writing i'm surprised i went so many years i went 10 years without doing any writing and i don't think it's any you know coincidence that i think it would have helped me um i had some tough years and now like i writing in and of itself is really important for my for my health for my expression for my um for my mental health for my holistic health you know yeah yeah keeping your creativity blocked up will make you sick it will wear you down it mm. will um, bring upon despair which triggers reactions in your body um, there is a very definite connection between your mind and your body and mm. um, you know I writers and other artistic people, um, you know, as they're finally beginning to become unblocked or unclogged and getting those urges out and writing their stories and doing their art, there are often profound moments of healing that happen. Um, not only psychic healing, uh, but physical healing. Um, so I think it's, you know, and I, I'm sure there's philosophies and schools of thought there might be even some science around it but um i don't think it's a far-fetched concept to imagine that 
your um, blocked creativity could make you sick. So, um, and that's why I, I, I emphasize a lot of times with my clients that taking care of your body is very important. Um, you know, make sure you're hydrated, make sure you have sleep and movement, um, that you're allowing the flow of your bodily energy to infuse with the story that you need to tell um, so that you can experience healing. And it looks like we've got cut off again. So I will wait. Goodness. Hi again. Hi. <laughs> um, you, you, you were sharing the importance of being like being an important, um, sorry, the, the importance of being a healthy person yeah. and moving. Yeah. Um, just, you know, just to kind of, the body. just to treat your physical body, um, it, you know, it's tied with your mental health and, um, oftentimes, and, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Virgo, so I'm always like looking into holistic and nutritional things. And, um, you know, a lot of times our anxiety and depression and, um, insomnias and other trigger mechanisms that, you know, trigger the fight or flight responses in our body that can shut down our creativity, oftentimes our nutritional deficiencies um, and, you know, our brain health is important. So I, you know, in, intuition, intuition is harder to access in an unhealthy brain. Okay. Because you're triggering, um, fight or flight responses and uh, other physiological things in your body by not taking care of it and by engaging in behaviors that aren't healthy. So, um, I try to look at the whole artist, like just, you know, you're a writer, you're a writer's brain, you have a writer's brain, but the act of writing and sitting for long periods of time can be unhealthy. And if you experience any of the effects of being um, an intuitive, introverted, empathic, or a highly sensitive person, a lot of times it, it can be um, a simple fix with your nutrition and sleep and mm. hydration. It's amazing how, how far those, uh, little tweaks of those like i call them the, the building blocks really sleep and nutrition and movement yeah. um being outside can help us yeah sunshine is uh, really important it's yeah it's hugely important for me um i definitely struggled this kind of last winter we had like a long one and summer took a while to kick in yeah um and i definitely felt that that um yeah that affected me um do you have any have any tips or suggestions and, and i i'd recommend um that book i mentioned um the magic key unlock your memoir my understanding is you, you're you're um you're giving that away for free for those who subscribe to your newsletter is that is that still the case it is on my website at annamarieobryan.com over on the right hand side i have two signups the first one is for just my regular writing newsletter and that's where you can get your free copy of the magic key you just pop in your email address and you can download it it's a pdf um, and that newsletter is basically what i'll be announcing with my classes and partnerships and some of my friends have cool writing classes and other opportunities um, it's you know kind of my promo my promotional newsletter 
Whereas the other box to subscribe is for my Substack, and that's where I'm kind of live writing my third book, my memoir, Library Confidential. And so by subscribing to the Substack, you'll actually be getting a newsletter every couple of weeks um, that is outlining my processes, my hangups, my blocks, my breakthroughs, um, and any other tidbits of like the real life that I'm living here. Um, just as a writer and an artist to share with other artists and people looking for some, um, I don't know, some moral support. You know, sometimes you just by sharing a story on a blog, you know, people can find a little inspiration from that to move forward. And so that's kind of the, the spirit of I'm doing it is not only for accountability for myself because I, I've avoided blogging for so long, but I really think there's a value to making it uh, transparent to other creators. Um, like, I, I don't have any special secrets. I'm human, just like everybody else. But this is my process, and this is what I'm going through. And it's completely normal and probably necessary to go through this as a creator. It's not that you're bad or that you're blocked. It's just that you're human. And um, so, yeah, so the magic key for free, download it, have fun with it. I hope it helps. Um, and then the sub stack, if you want to follow along with me as I live write the, um, the library confidential. Yeah. How do you feel about doing that? I know it feels like that's the first time you're kind of doing that live writing alongside um, blog. I don't know about for you, but blog and like blog writing goes to a newsletter kind of live feels very different to the container that is writing a book. So how are you? How are you finding that? I have no idea how I'm doing this. I, like I'm out here on the tightrope, but you know, for the first book, Adventures of a Metalhead Librarian, I um, I have an Instagram account that I've been posting to for about God, what is this? I've had it for 10 years now. And I pretty much through that entire process, I Instagrammed my process, you know, milestones, drafts, word count, you know, just like here, I hit 50,000 words on my first draft. And so over a course of years, the people who were following me got to see the kind of the nitty gritty of me writing that first book. Um, so doing it in a blog format, I think, um, isn't quite as scary as it sounds because I've kind of been doing it off the cuff anyways on Instagram. Um, it's just more, though, that I want to engage myself in that type of writing. I, I want to become more adept at blogging. So in order to become more adept at something, you actually just have to do it, right? I, <laughs> you just have to get in there and do it. So like I said, I'm out there on the tightrope kind of doing it on a high wire. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, as things come up, I'm like, do I save this for the book or do I just put it out there? Well, I don't see why they're mutually exclusive. So things might come up in the newsletter or in the, in the sub stack that I'm definitely going to put in the book, um, and, and vice versa. So it's, you know, it's, um, there's nothing rehearsed about it, nothing planned. I don't really, you know, I have no long list of blog topics or posts that I want to do. They're just kind of coming to me and what needs to be shared is coming out and uh yeah so that's where i'm at <laughs> yeah absolutely you feel it out as you go um i'm i'm a little bit i wouldn't necessarily recommend this but uh, it's it is what it is it seems to have worked it, i think it's where i need to be i'm still i'm 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 kind of done that with my book launch it's been very much organic on the fly what, what have i felt like and i've so yeah, I can really relate to walking on that tightrope, but I think just feeling, feeling your way, feeling your way along. Um, and it seems to touch wood have worked so far. And uh, yeah, I think it, it does, it, it gets easier, but really it, it gets easier through you 
walking along that tightrope it gets less scary doing yeah it. i'm yeah. always you know i always feel a, a little intimidated by the, the creators out there who have this you know have these they seem to have everything so coordinated like coordinated messages and coordinated marketing campaigns and everything is very professional and i appreciate that but it really uh, makes me think they're doing some kind of work that i haven't even latched onto like i'm not even aware of how they get that work done so <laughs> So I've tried to stop comparing myself and it's just like, okay, I'm going to focus on what I can do on a daily basis in my daily life to, uh, you know, move my creativity forward, to share it and to honor that. Um, and sometimes it's going to be messy um, and that's okay. It, the, you know, I, like I said, it's not strategic in any way. It's intuitively strategic. Like I kind of know where I think I'm going to be in five years. Like I kind of have that in my mind. I don't know how I'm going to get there. Uh, but I see it very clearly, you know, I see it out there. I just have to, you know, um, walk the path. And as I'm walking the path, I'm documenting the journey. And then as I'm documenting the journey, I'm going to share it. And um, I have like no doubt that I'll be where I need to be in five years. So it's just, you just, you give it up to something else. You give up the anxiety and the, the, um, the doubts, I guess, and you just, it will be. If I wish it, if I work for it, it will be. And you kind of speak it and believe it into existence. You do the work, but you have to have the faith that it's possible. I can feel the conviction in what you're saying. And you know, this is what I'm getting some Muhammad Ali vibes right now. You're, <laughs> you're, you're speaking your truth and it really resonates because I'm the same. I, I know where I'm going to be three, five years from now, I'm open to how, what that looks like. And maybe the, I can kind of see the picture. Maybe some of the details will look a bit different, mm -hmm. but I, I know there's something in me, in my bones, in my heart that knows that I, I know where I'm going to be. Um, and yeah, I don't know where it comes from, but this trust, this faith, I think I've always had it there, but I think it's grown over time. Um, so yeah, amen, amen to everything you, you, you shared right there. Um, before I let you go, I'd love to ask you if there's a, um, I guess for anyone out there who has, whether it has thought, has thought consciously about memoir or otherwise just wants to start sharing who they are, their story, their journey through blogging, through writing, um, what, what would your suggestions be for someone who's maybe feeling some resistance, maybe feeling some fear, some hesitancy, some doubt, hasn't quite managed to put pen to paper? Would, would there be anything that you might you might be kind of uh, be able to recommend, you know, off the bat? If there was there was just one thing, which I know is probably pretty difficult. Yeah, that's it's hard because um, it's going to be different for every person, and some people kind of need the kick in the butt. And they'll mm -hmm. get it and they'll they'll start writing. And other people, if you say you kind of have to kick your own butt, they get offended and they feel like I'm not capable of that. So there has to be, I think, some kind of innate sense of creative survival in the person who is um, experiencing a blockage or a hesitation about sharing themselves. Mm -hmm. um, it can drive you mad. It really can. And it can make you sick. So if you're, if you're blocked or stuck, I, you know, my advice is just to start somewhere. 
um, start writing something somewhere, even if it's, uh, you know, thoughts on an index card or in a loose journal. Um, start engaging your own creativity and start placing value on your own thoughts. And, uh, you know, people have, they want to live up in their brains and they think, well, anything I write down isn't going to be as good as it is in my brain. And you're right. It's never going to be as good as it is in your brain. The only mm -hmm. thing you can do is get it out of your brain and make it better. And um, so it, it's hard. It's so hard. Everybody's different and, you know, different conversations with different people reveal different um, issues. And, but I would say you have to start somewhere the book will not write itself and you do have to be gentle with yourself as you're going through the process and allow yourself to expand into the idea of the possibility that you can do it, that you can share these things, that you are going to survive the process, thrive through the process and, um, and, and set that goal for yourself. Um, it doesn't have to be on a timeline. You know, I'm not going to say you're going to have a memoir in two years. That's, that's kind of silly. But if you want to write a memoir, you have to come to the acceptance that, okay, I've got to write a memoir. I've got to actually do this and I've got to figure it out. And when you commit, um, that's when the magic starts to happen. But you have to start somewhere. And I would just say, start writing your thoughts down, keeping a loose journal, doing morning pages like Julia Cameron suggests. Um, just a place to record your thoughts so that you as a human being have evidence <laughs> of your own thoughts and from there you can craft something I love that evidence for your own thoughts um, or evidence of evidence did you say evidence for or evidence of your own thoughts of evidence of your own thoughts of your now, own thoughts yeah I kind of think of it almost as an idea farm whatever you're writing down um, that's evidence of your thought and there's good fertile soil there and ideas will grow, but you have to capture the ideas or the feelings or the issue that you're having. So the only place to really start is to start writing it down. Um, it, just getting into the habit of writing things down is a place to start. Mm. And you made an important point there about intention and about commitment. Um, I think that's a very powerful energetic marker for yourself to step into that commitment, isn't it? Um, yeah. And um, we, we talked earlier about coaching and I know you've, you've benefited from, from having a coach, a mentor, again, the terminology, you know, what do we call yeah, it? Right. But um, are, are you currently offering one-to-one -one support of that kind right now, Anna-Marie? I am. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching with writers and other creatives. Um, it's, you know, it's a one-hour conversation about your writing, um, but a lot of other things come into it, you know, whether it's, you know, um, stress or blockages or dealing with other family issues or emotional issues or addictions, things like that, that come into all of it touches your writing. So mm -hmm. I do offer one hour sessions. Um, my rates are on my website. Um, and if there's something there that you don't, if there's not something there that you want that, that I'm not offering, reach out to me and let's have a conversation and maybe I can provide support in other ways or that's, uh, um, 
that'll be helpful to the person who's seeking it, or I, I at least can point to resources. Uh, as a librarian, I, I have lots of resources. So, um, you know, always happy to help. But yeah, please reach out via my website, annamarieobryan.com under writing help. Wonderful. And yeah, you mentioned resources. I noticed as well as yours, and there's plenty of them, you've got a whole page of resources you've got on your blog. Um, yeah. at uh, and quite a quite a yeah varied list of different lots of different items um, and I would also say um, yeah you've got a wonderful uh, page on your blog which is like a it's like a picture catalogue documenting your life from childhood through to the present day um, I found that really fun to browse and to kind of connect with you and you know your story and to see you kind of yeah it's just i just love that part especially of your blog so yeah i'd invite folks just to check out your blog just to just to know what i'm talking about oh yeah um, that that was fun to put up i did it because uh as i self-published my first book adventures of a metalhead librarian um you know self indie authors know that it costs a lot of money to put photographs <laughs> in a book so um i couldn't really put a lot of photographs in so i just went ahead and put them up on my website so that as people were reading the book they could follow along with all the characters as well because all the people that are on my picture gallery are talked about in the book um so you can kind of see the evolution of you know who my grandparents were or who this rock star was or this person or that person or my best friend so yeah it was really just as a, a service to all the readers who kept reaching out to me saying i want to see more pictures um so and i was could only share so much on my instagram you know over time so i, I gathered them all up and put them on the web page so i'm glad you enjoyed them <laughs> oh that's neat yeah no that makes sense that's a great idea um cool so yeah that's um i want to make sure folks have the link it's anna marie o'brien that's a-n-n-a-m-a-r-i-e-o-b-r-i-e-n for november.com correct um, yes <laughs> thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me um yeah no it's been really fun and i yeah, appreciate you, you you sharing your story your journey your writing tips everything it's been great yeah my pleasure jazz thanks so much for having me I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Diary of an Indie Writer with me, Jazz Hoti. As you might know already, I'm a blogger and an author sharing my journey as an independent writer as it unfolds. I want to help more people step into their writing and to write freely. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or whichever platform you're listening on. By doing so, you'll be helping other writers and aspiring writers discover my audio diary. And you might also wish to check out my blog, aka my written diary, by visiting www.indiewriter.net. I appreciate your support. Thanks so much for being here and for accompanying me on this journey.